This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Berman, I'm Elizabeth Vargas. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here Monday night. Well, it was a major move announced today by the United States. Airdrops will now take place in Gaza. That means using U.S. assets in the skies to help get humanitarian assistance on the ground. But when the commander-in-chief made the announcement, it led to a much different headline. In the coming days, we're going to join with our friends in Jordan and others in providing airdrops of, of uh, additional food and supplies into Ukraine and seek to continue to open up other avenues into Ukraine, including the possibility of a Marine corridor. The White House then having to correct that flow. Come on in. I'm Blake Berman. This is The Hill on News Nation. Come on in. Happy Friday. Here we are. Here we go. Hanging out with us today. Chris Steyerwalt, News Nation political editor, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Julia Manchester, national political reporter for The Hill and host of What's America Talking About. Scott Bolden, News Nation political contributor, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Ford O'Connell, former Trump campaign surrogate, also hanging out with us today. She makes us feel smart. Lauren Wright, Princeton University research scholar. Hello to you all. Hi, Lauren. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. So um, I think what we saw today sort of sets the scene where we are in the race for the White House. You've got Donald Trump physically in one courtroom for one federal case, his legal team physically in another courtroom for a different legal case that's turned into somewhat of a circus. And then you have the president of the United States making a major policy announcement and the White House having to come back, Chris, and correct the president. Yeah, I mean, I, the look on, I don't know who uh, that staffer was who was seated in the chair. <laughs> I think Italian prime minister next. Oh, my gosh, that's even worse. Oh, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. you, you've got company over uh, at, the, at the house, and then you do that. And the look, the fact that the, her face fell, right? You could just see the, oh, like, oh, I know. And this is the thing about narrative. Um, in 1992 uh, and before, George H.W. Bush had been branded a wimp. He was a wimp, George H.W. Bush, who, by the way, got shot down yeah. uh, in the South Pacific fighting the Japanese at age 17. And was a, it was a serious stud. Greatest Americans, one of the greatest Americans of all time. But he was branded a wimp. And once the name sticks to you and once the brand sticks to you, everything you do mm. reinforces that. And that's the problem that Biden has as he's trying to run. Or more scrutiny, if you will. Now, listen, misspeaking. And given the legislative issues and political issues regarding Ukraine and Israel funding and what have you, misspeaking on a subject like that is not in and of itself some test of mental acuity. In fact, I'd like to blame the Republicans for, for screwing him up and, and his misspeaking <laughs> because they've linked the two together. But the bottom line is this. Uh, he shouldn't be, but I think Chris makes a great point. Once you get labeled something, yes. the media is going to report every time he misspeaks now as some attack on his age or mental acuity. Wait, wait, but mental acuity. 
acuity. Normally, I'd hammer Biden for mental acuity. Now, let's remember, on Tuesday, 100,000-plus voted uncommitted because of his position on the Hamas-Israel war. Mm -hmm. And on Friday, I'm airdropping into Gaza. This looks a lot like naked political vote buying. No, not really. You know why? Because you also had the crisis of uh, 100 people being killed who were trying to get food. And whether it's Israel's fault or whether they open fire or not, the bottom line is the pressure to uh, provide relief to these Palestinians, this collateral damage, which is growing on the U.S. Which which Hamas will steal. Well, look, this is the second time we've seen this happen with President Biden mixing up something when talking about this conflict. If you're a Republican ad maker. You are watching this and you are going to just have to cherry pick these moments and put them together. So, you know, it all happens to us all. But like Chris says, once you're labeled something, it's going to stay. By the way, we haven't even mentioned today that Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, the Republican, essentially de facto, uh, What's the uh, not, not the presumptive, uh, presumptive well, nominee? There we go. I was losing a word. Soon, soon, to, be, soon, soon yeah. to be presumptive nominee. Lauren, we haven't even gotten into that today. That That's he exactly was in right. One and so the, and his attorneys one of the another. points here, yeah, I mean, one of the points here is that the story of the day should have been more about what would Trump be doing differently in Israel than Biden, and the substantive answer there is very hard to put your finger on. He doesn't have a lot of different ideas besides saying, on my watch, it wouldn't have happened in the first place, but now. It's a layup for Trump because he doesn't have to talk about the policy. He can just talk about Biden and bash Biden and say, this guy's not with it. And he's absolutely right. It, it looks like he's not with it, not able to deal with it. All right. So that's Biden real quick on Trump trying to, uh, Scott and Ford, push this trial down the line. The DOJ was making the case today <laughs> that it, it doesn't violate the 60-day rule to have uh, you know, DOJ <clears throat> involvement before an election. Haven't been on the criminal defense side for a long time. It really doesn't. In fact, it's really not a policy. It's almost like an expectation uh, when that issue comes up. But uh, the, the interesting part about the Florida case, where you guys hammered Donald Comey Trump, though for getting involved with Hillary Clinton. That's exactly Absolutely, right. But that wasn't a trial. That was him uh, making some type of prosecutorial decision or non-prosecutorial decision that close to the election, which did make a difference the, by the, most experts. The classified documents case is not going to go to trial before the election. Here's why: Trump, the Trump legal team is going to argue. Two things. I can't prepare for trial on time. And by the way, we're now in the midst of a presidential election, and therefore I might have a tainted jury. But that Trust me, Jack Smith is messed up, and there will be no tr- federal trial of Donald Trump before the election. There's another reason that it may not go. And that other reason simply is that. Donald Trump has made the same argument about immunity in this in this uh, Florida trial, and he's been rejected. Now the Supreme Court has taken this up in April, and it could have an impact or indirect impact right. on whether the trial goes forward or not. Sounds like 2024 is going fine and dandy. Yeah, it's just get ready, get ready for a super fun year, America. It's going to be uh, just a hootenanny. Elsewhere, meantime, uh, in the state of Georgia today, family and friends gathered at the funeral for Lakin Riley, the 22-year-old nursing student who was murdered by an illegal immigrant while she was simply out for a run on campus. The case has put a spotlight on sanctuary cities like Athens, Georgia. Earlier this week, the mayor of that town, for example, was shouted down by his residents. Liar! 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 We are here to listen. Liar! You're a liar! We're here to listen. You're a liar! You are guilty and got blood on your head for this murder, sir. And in New York, the mayor there, Eric Adams, announced this week that he wants to reverse course on sanctuary city policies. 
I don't believe people who are violent in our city and commit repeated crimes should have the privilege of being in our city. Joining us now, the Republican congressman from the state of New York lives just outside the Big Apple. Looks like he's back home uh, in his district. Congressman Anthony D'Esposito. Congressman, thanks for being back here on the Hill. I know you've been sort of with and against the mayor. He's obviously a different party on some of the immigration issues that are going on in your city. What did you make of what he he said this uh, earlier this week? Did he did he go far enough in your eyes? Listen, I think that the the mayor has come to the point where he sees the uh, disastrous effect that the migrant situation has had on New York City. I mean, in his words, he said that this situation will destroy the city of New York. And I think it's time he he has to call the, the bad policies out where he sees it. And he has to call the people in his party out where uh, where they're failing. And, and there is no question that Joe Biden is failing the United States of America. Um, and I think that that's what what his focus needs to be on. But this is a start. And, and I've said but all is, along, has, that, has he gone I'm, far enough, though? I hear you say it's a no. start. Does he need to go further? Yeah, I think he does. I think he, he needs to, you know, call Biden out and the administration of Mayorkas out directly um, and, and demand change because the city of New York, uh, it's the Big Apple. People look to the city of New York and we need to make sure that people keep hearing the story. It's one of the reasons as to why we need to keep talking about the, the disasters that this is creating. It's one of the reasons why Speaker Johnson and I are inviting the two NYPD cops who were, were attacked in Midtown uh, as our guests to the State of the Union. We want our colleagues to see the disasters that this is causing. There are victims behind uh, these migrants that are coming into these cities and, and, and uh, conducting crimes. So if you're inviting them, Congressman, to the State of the Union, I know what you're going to tell me. You're going to say we've passed H.R. 2, which is the Republican border bill. Um, and I'm going to and you'll hear the critics that say you should have passed the, the Senate bill. The reality is that nothing's gotten done. So, you know, I I just wonder, as you sit there and you you say, you know, we're going to bring them to the State of the Union. Isn't it time for enough with the messaging? Like, doesn't something have to get done? Isn't it incumbent upon the speaker and upon the president of the United States to sit down and say, you know what? We are left. We are right. But do something. There is no question. I think we've had this conversation already. This is no longer a Democrat-Republican issue. It's not a partisan issue. This is a United States of America issue. And yes, H.R. 2 was passed. It sat in the Senate for however long. Schumer did nothing. They wanted to have a bipartisan package that they didn't even get out of the Senate. Um, I think right now Joe Biden should wake up tomorrow morning and say no more asylum into the United States of America until we get a handle on what's going on. And what should Mike Johnson do? He should encourage the president to do the same. And we should we should come together uh, and realize that we're going to have differences. But we need to, uh, you know, come together and come up with ideas that that we can uh, give to the American people, because uh, to just keep saying, no, that's not going to work. We want more. We want more and never get to uh, a situation where we agree is not helping anything. All right, Congressman, we'll leave it there. Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, state of New York. Thank you, sir, as always, for being back here on The Hill. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, sir. Um, you, your reaction to that was so the, I, I, I sort of thought out of the side of everybody mind. wants compromise, and right. what they mean by wanting compromise is they think that the other person ought to give up their dang fool idea and come <laughs> over and agree with them. Uh, and th- this is the problem. There is no leadership without being willing to sacrifice something of your own. You have to start with the willingness to sacrifice of your own. 
that's the way that you get to leadership and that's how you get to stuff. And look, let's face it, what we saw, this, the spectacle this week of Donald Trump trying to make the border look as dangerous as possible by going to the worst place on the border, right, and Joe Biden trying to make the border look as safe as possible by going to the safest place on the border. And none of that accomplishes anything because what we keep getting told year after year is, after the next election, mm-hmm. once we get past the next election, then we will repeal Obamacare. Oh, wait, we didn't do that. Oh, yeah. we'll fix the border. Oh, well, we'll do this. It's, if we keep waiting until after the next election, there's not going to be anything to, anything to elect about. Well, speaking of uh, just the other day when former President Trump was at the border, he attacked someone other than President <laughs> Biden. Watch. When do they come? I mean, uh, you look at what this governor, Newscom from California, isn't that his name, Newscom? Uh, what he's done to California is unbelievable. Gavin Newsom, now a new name, new scum. Lauren, why is the president well, I mean, wasting his time good. or spending I'm, his time it's on, pre- it's pretty on obvious. Newsom? It's a pretty obvious choice. It's one of his better nicknames, in my opinion, I, not that I'm a comedy critic. But, but why is he spending the time on Newsom? Well, because Newsom is a huge face of the Democratic Party right now. Many people think he, rather than Joe Biden, should be the nominee. And so it is a target, frankly, that Republicans have to tackle, whether it's now or four years from now. It makes a lot of sense. Okay, what's going on here, Julia? I mean, look, look, it makes sense. You have Gavin Newsom, who is, besides President Biden and Kamala Harris, he is arguably the biggest surrogate on the Biden campaign right now. He's a huge critic of former President Trump. He's actually seemingly been touting Nikki Haley in his recent appearances (laughs) and her criticism of Trump. So it makes sense. And obviously, uh, you know, Republicans like to beat up on liberal California. So Uh, I I would say it's a little bit larger. There's a lot to beat up on. There's a lot to beat up on. But remember, Remember, California is the face of everything that's wrong with illegal immigration. Gavin Newsom is giving health care to illegals, which guarantees more illegals will come to the state of California. There's a magnet problem there, and he can focus in on that. But I do agree with you, Julia. He is the best defensive speaker surrogate in the Democratic Party. 412,000 border apprehensions in California in the past year. There's one more thing, which is uh, Democrats have only just now become come around to the fact that they may have to have an open convention or there may be the need to replace their nominee late in the game. Republicans have been obsessing about this in a, for a year, right? Oh, it's the, it's the switch. They're bringing in Michelle Obama. They're bringing in whatever. I think Republicans believe that they're not going to face Joe Biden in hmm. November, they're much more than Democrats are willing to believe. So I bet Donald Trump thinks about Gavin Newsom a lot, because I bet if Gavin Newsom were the Democratic nominee, it would be much, much harder for Donald Trump to win. I just think that Donald Trump just couldn't pronounce his name because of his lack of... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a it's a new one, and as Lauren says, I think it might stick. All right, coming up. Have you ever gotten a $5,000 medical bill? For just a quick trip to the doctor, I don't feel good, I need to go to the doctor, here's a $5,000 bill. It just happened, and you know who it happened to? The former Surgeon General of the United States. So what exactly went on here, and what's he saying about it now? Dr. Jerome Adams joins us here on The Hill, coming up later in the show. And there is a new job opening here in Washington. Is it me? Uh, you, well, you kind of have a new job. Kind of, right? Like a new role, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. You're making me nervous. I didn't no, think no, I could get not, fired that we're, fast. And we're not replacing oh, okay, you. you got okay, a new okay, responsibility okay, on okay, Sunday. Okay, we're going to yeah, talk yeah. about that. He's got a new show on Sunday, don't you know? Uh, but Mitch McConnell, and who yeah. might replace him? It's going to get wild over there. It's going to get wild and woolly. We'll talk about it. Styrol breaking it down on the other side of the break. Stay with us. You're watching The Hill. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, welcome back. So the race to replace Mitch McConnell as the Republican leader in the Senate well underway, just a few days old. It'll be the first leadership change for Republicans in that chamber since the fall of 2006. So who should we be watching? Styrofoam here to break it all down. Chris? It's going to be like Thunderdome at the nursing home. It's going to be a real, it's going to be a real situation. Uh, okay, so think about it this way. Uh, well, first, let's, let's look at our, our baseball cards here. Let's bring up our first graphic to see what the Magic Caleb uh, has come up with. Okay, here's your chalk. Here's the, here's the Vegas line. The three Johns. Uh, these are the front runners: John Barrasso of Wyoming, John Cornyn of Texas, and John Thune. I, if I were a betting man, I guess I am a betting man. Uh, I would put my money on Thune. He's well liked. He does not have a bunch of enemies. He's a good fundraiser. He looks like the Marlboro Man. And at 63, he's just very young for the United States Senate. He's a teenager by U.S. Senate standards. John Cornyn from Texas has some haters on the MAGA side of the Senate. They're skeptical of him because he is he insists on, I don't know, being honest about stuff, saying true things about Donald Trump, which makes them very upset. John Barrasso is really actually quite impressive on this because behind closed doors, all the normie Republicans like John Barrasso, right? They think that he's a serious person with a, uh, with a serious portfolio on foreign policy, but he knows how to go out and rile them up and throw out the red meat. So that's that. Okay, so who's going to win? Show us the next baseball cards. Show us Caleb's handiwork. Okay, senators to watch. Not because I'm saying that they're going to win. I'm not saying that these people are going to win, but a dark, a dark horse could emerge from these folks. Now, Rick Scott, who uh, failed once before, uh, he has money, he has uh, an organization, he could do all of that stuff, but he is a divisive figure for sure. Steve Daines, everybody likes Steve Daines, and Steve Daines is getting ready to have a really good year probably as senatorial committee chairman. He has found a way to make peace with Donald Trump. Uh, Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia, uh, if you're thinking of a dark horse to bet on about how something could emerge, if the if the Johns deadlock, then maybe it's somebody like Shelley Capito. There is a group of women in the United States Senate who are sort of the backbone of the Senate. Joni Ernst, uh, you could think of folks like that. And then there's Ron Johnson. I want you to think about Ron John from Wisconsin, who, despite having unwisely shaved off his mustache, uh, which was the cornerstone of his political career, uh, Ron Johnson is trying to be the, the leader. He is trying to herd together sort of the MAGA co conference. Guys like uh, Josh Hawley, guys like um, Ted Cruz, guys like J.D. Vance, and whip them together into a faction. They're, they're demanding uh, open and transparent and all of that stuff. So I find that very interesting. Can he do it? Oh, yeah, that's right. This Sunday, I will be talking. <laughs> what are you with doing, Ron on Sunday? Johnson? Why did I do those senators in that order? Because I realized at the end I had to read this tease. He'll be on the Hill Sunday with me right here on News Nation, premiering March third. I will continue to make that Cheshire cat face apparently throughout the entire show. I hope you will watch. We are going to try to make it fun and interesting. 
Uh, we will get into Chris's show <laughs> later in the show and talk to him about what to expect. We are all, are all pumped and looking forward to it. You'll, lo- you'll live to regret it, Berman. No, no, you'll no, live to regret it. Uh, by the way, real quick, Nikki Haley met with a group of supporters today uh, here in Washington. She just declined to say how long she'll stay in the race, but did say it would be at least through Super Tuesday. Well, she, she better also- hurry up. <laughs> she also seemingly ruled out uh, running on a ticket of the third-party movement known as no labels. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. I was following Nikki Haley around Falls Church last night. She's campaigning in Northern Virginia. You know, out of all the Super Tuesday states, she could, you know, maybe make some headway in Virginia. But I asked all of her supporters that I talked to um, last night, do you think she will win this state? No. I wish. <laughs> and it's very, very interesting. And then I kind of asked him, what, what's the end game right. in case something happens to Donald Trump? Yeah. Uh, let's, go, let's go to the professor real quick. Lauren, what, what leverage, if any, does Nikki Haley have? Well, she'll have a few delegates and she'll have this argument that Trump has to appeal to moderates and listen to her if he wants to win the general election. And then she has this 2012 from 2008 Mitt Romney path where, frankly, she might just be hoping that people are starting to get to know her. They'll forget about this election next time around and she'll be the heir apparent. Okay. All right. We'll see. Still to come here on the Hill. Ford shaking. You really want to get in and I really got to move on. (laughs) (laughs) You want to say she's got no shot. I know you do, O'Connell. All I want to say is that Uh, she's a Liz Cheney of Hillary Clinton's and all she's doing to do is harm Donald Trump. She's a stocking horse for the Bidens. The only one who wants to stay in there is the Bidens. I thought she had to go. He got his two cents in. (laughs) I thought she had to go. He was was like like charging, leaning into me. He was over here doing this. This story to me, though, is fascinating. It's coming up here on the other side of the break. A nearly $5,000 medical bill Obviously, that's wild, right? And, and for all things, it was for dehydration. He just went into the hospital. I'm dehydrated. I need a few IVs. Need to see the doc. He's the former Surgeon General. And even he was hit with a $5,000 bill. What is going on? Jerome Adams joins us live on the other side of the break. By the way, what does he think about the CDC essentially ending the COVID isolation guidelines? We'll ask him when The Hill on News Nation returns. Stay with us. Hill Sunday with Chris Starwalt. Unvarnished, unapologetic insights from the best journalists in Washington and around the country. That's what we have in News Nation. Premieres this Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern on News Nation. All right, welcome back here to the Hill on News Nation. So he was once the nation's top doctor, and now he might be screaming ouch. Dr. Jerome Adams, the former U.S. Surgeon General, now sharing the story of his emergency room visit last month. He went to the ER for dehydration and ended up with a nearly $5,000 bill. He, the former Surgeon General, is now calling the healthcare system broken. Joining us now, Dr. Jerome Adams served as the Surgeon General for the majority of the Trump administration, also author of the new book, Crisis and Chaos. Doctor, thank you for being with us here on the Hill. Um, Talk to us. I guess you have health insurance, well, I'm, assu- for- I'm assuming. So what happened? Well, th- thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. it. It's a story that far too many <clears throat> Americans are familiar with. I'm in Phoenix. I'm out there for a conference, a medical <clears throat> conference of all things. And I decided to go hike Camelback Mountain. Uh, hike Camelback Mountain, come back down. I'm feeling fine. Um, didn't drink a lot of water, but uh, go out to dinner with some buddies. And I uh, start to feel a little lightheaded. 
And they say, well, you're dehydrated. I agree. They say, well, you should go to the emergency room and get checked out and get some IV fluids. We don't think that's going to be a big deal, cost a lot of money. And so that's what I did. Um, They kept me there overnight because that was their protocol. And a month later, I get a bill for $4,800. So it it was a shock. You have health insurance? I do have health insurance, and there are many problems uh, that that this illustrates. Number one is cost. I could go out and get those services a la carte that I got in the emergency room for probably $500, definitely under $1,000. Yeah, like an IV, like you can go anywhere... You can go, you know, to any, you any can call and they'll come facility to your home. in a major city, yeah, and they, and they hook you up to the IV and it's a few hundred bucks, have a nice day. Exactly. So cost is one problem. Transparency is another. If they had told me the upfront cost, I would have said, no, thank you. I'll go home and drink water or I will actually go in the, and get those services a la carte. But I didn't get the, the cost until a month later when it was uh, too late. Uh, yet another problem is the high deductible health plan that I have that many Americans are being pushed uh, into, pushed towards. If I'd had this in December when I paid into my HSA, um, it wouldn't have been an issue. But I had it in January when I didn't have money in the HSA, so it's $5,000 out of pocket. We need more transparency. We need to fix the system because it's not going to bankrupt me, but it's bankrupting millions and millions of Americans to have the system the way it is. Steyerwald and I were looking at this earlier today, and we're, we're, we're shocked to see this. $220 billion right now in the U.S., as it relates to medical debt. And if you have medical debt, look at that number there. 78%, basically 8 in 10, uh, Dr. Adams, their medical debt is more than $10,000 in, in a country where uh, many Americans don't have, you know, uh, 500 bucks or so of savings, disposable savings. Well, exactly. Uh, you know, I tweeted about this uh, because I, I try to, to, to be real and help people understand that, that even someone with my knowledge and, uh, and at my income level is struggling. And the, the tweet is two million impressions and, and growing mm. because Americans resonate with this. They, they're, they're frustrated. And I hope Congress will take action again on cost on transparency, uh, and on, again, addressing this fact that people can be hit with a surprise <coughs> bill in these high-deductible health plans earlier so in the you, year. So you, you were in the Trump administration for the majority of it, started September of the first year and stayed to the end. I remember, <laughs> doctor, before you got there, the big debate among Republicans, the very first thing Donald Trump tried to do, this was his campaign promise, was to repeal and replace Obamacare, and, and that didn't happen. I know you're calling on Congress to do something about it, but do you feel that your former boss should make this a bigger part of his uh, platform going forward? Well, I feel that that whoever is president should make this a bigger part. It's hurting Americans. And at the end of the day, uh, the president can make it a priority. But at the end, but Congress ultimately has to act. And it's what I talk about a lot, actually, in my book. It's what crippled us during our COVID response in many ways. Folks didn't have access to what they needed in order to be safe. And, and, and that includes affordable health care that actually works. You mentioned COVID. Big news today. Headline from The Hill. CDC ending five-day COVID isolation guidance. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention no longer recommending Americans stay home from work or school for five days after testing positive. A major shift in policy as the country uh, has moved on, much of it, from the height of the pandemic. When you saw, I'm sure you knew that this was coming, but I wonder uh, if you believe that it's finally time and that the CDC did the right thing. Well, I've talked to folks at the CDC 
they're between a rock and a hard place. Some people want them to stick 100% to the science, and the science says that COVID is still with us, it's still tra transmissible, but it also tells us that people aren't being hospitalized and aren't dying as much um, from COVID. Uh, at the other extreme, people want uh, the CDC to give practical guidance. Uh, bacon is bad for you. If the CDC said don't eat bacon, they'd, they'd, be, they'd completely be closed down by Congress and they'd be laughed <laughs> away by folks. So they're trying to, 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 to thread this needle between what are people actually going to do so they're long? not testing I anymore. Think most, I think most Americans <clears throat> would have wanted this many, many months ago. Well, it took a long time because there are individuals who are still being hurt. And I talk about the health equity aspects. Long COVID uh, is, is now um, becoming more and more uh, aware of, of a problem. And this doesn't address long COVID. There are people who are under-vaccinated. There are people who don't have access to Paxlovid. And so we want to make sure we're not forgetting about those individuals, even as we transition to what many people see as a post-pandemic error. Dr. Jerome Adams, we got to leave it there. Have you paid the bill, by the way? <laughs> uh, I haven't paid it yet. I'm still fighting it. And, okay. uh, and you good know, for, and I'm hope, you. Uh, Americans should know that you can you can contest your bill. I, I, I don't blame you for doing it. Dr. Jerome Adams, thanks for being with us here on the Hill. Appreciate the time. Hey, thanks. Check out the book. Yep. All right. Meantime, uh, check out this headline, by the way. I don't blame him for pushing the book either. Hey. Uh, obesity, now a greater risk to global health than hunger. A new study finding the number one cause uh, of clinically obese people has now, or number one uh, of clinically obese people, rather, has now passed one billion for the first time ever. It also comes as Goldman Sachs is also now projecting that weight loss drugs could boost GDP growth in this country by as much as 1% in the coming years. Manjaro, I know, Scott, is, is something that uh, you've been talking about for a while. Yeah, Manjaro, Zempic, uh, Wagovia, uh, all of them are on the market if you can get to them. I think they're making it uh, easier to do, but they're miracle drugs for people who struggle with up and down weight loss. Uh, the obesity of overeating or eating too much fat or too much sugar, many people have diabetes, and these drugs work, but they don't work forever. As you know, we've talked yeah. about it, that after six months, they have to wean you off it. They've got some side effects vis-a-vis -vis your pancreas, or even some, in extreme cases, pancreatic cancer. I know this because I'm under doctor's care. I've lost about 45 pounds in the and last seven months. Thank you <laughs> very fabulous. much. As my grandfather would say, if you're lying, keep talking. That's right, exactly. <laughs> but my challenge will be to keep it off yeah. once they wean me off it. But I'm surprised that Goldman Sachs says that you know it's going to boost GDP by 1%. I'm surprised it's not more than that. And here's really? why I say that, because it's more. this is, becomes more and more mainstream, whether it's Manjaro. My mother's on Manjaro. Mm -hmm. Oh, Zempic, the better you feel, the better you perform. And I think that there's a psychological aspect to this. Now, over time, may it peter out? Possibly. But I think right now, I think Goldman Sachs is underestimating it. Well, and speaking of it being more mainstream, Oprah recently announced oh, yeah, that yeah. she stepped off, stepped oh, off of the board of Weight Watchers. Gosh, for as long as I can remember, mm -hmm. she was the face of Weight Watchers yeah. because she's on a weight loss drug. So that's, that's the, pretty telling. The, this is really good news. You know why it's really good news? Because mm. these are diseases of affluence. And uh, poor people in the United States today 
live better and are richer and live longer than rich people did 100 years ago. It, we get to die of much better things now, right? We, get, we, we live longer, uh, and obesity is uh, uh, reflective of the fact that abundant, cheap food, uh, this is, uh, this is a, a success problem, this is a problem of affluence, and I'm not saying we don't need to deal with it, but we have to remember in, in perspective, it's a lot better than 100 years ago when people were still dying of starvation. Lauren Wright, last word. Well, I was just going to say to Ford's point, I think the reason it's not more than 1% is because it's balanced out by the fact that food industry is negatively impacted by this. People are not eating and drinking as much. And so I don't even think we fully know how this is going to impact our economy. But I agree it's a good thing for people. And speaking of all those health care costs you just mentioned in the last interview, Blake, obesity is the number one cause of it. Health debt, health costs, it's a big problem for us. So this is good right, news Lauren, for everybody. Lauren Wright, I'll see you here in studio next week for uh, Oh, yeah, sounds State good. I'll Union. see you guys next week. Thank Safe you. Safe travels back on down. Have a good weekend. All right, coming up here on The Hill, did Steyerwalt predict it? Did you? I don't know if I was right. It yes. was uh, about a week ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. time last week, Steyerwalt said, you know what? Keep an eye on the Alabama Senator Katie Britt. Well, now she is stepping into the spotlight in a major way. We'll explain other side of the break when the Hill on News Nation returns. And this guy has a Sunday show coming. Karnak says Katie Britt. Are you going to do that segment on the the Sunday show? We need Ed McMahon, but yes, we're going to do it. We're back in a few. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Eric Hobde is catching flack now for running in Wisconsin despite owning property and running a multi-million dollar business in the state of California. So how do you get rid of some of those doubts? Maybe you just go in head first. Havdi plunged into Madison Lake shirtless to try to prove he was a true Wisconsinite. So the Dems and Senator Baldwin keep saying I'm not from Wisconsin, <laughs> which is a complete joke. All right, Senator Baldwin, why don't you get out here in this frozen lake and let's really see who's from Wisconsin. Oh, good idea, cringe. Well, so the best part, well, I don't know if this is the best part, but it was kind of a snappy response. Tammy Baldwin retweeted it with the comment, no, no. with a heart. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. That's pretty good. I, yeah. I, I'm going to just, as a general rule of political strategy, <laughs> say, nobody wants to see your back hair. He keep no. your back hair. Yeah, he should have waxed your back hair. Chris is right. He should have waxed hair. his back before he took this video. Back hair. Yeah, he's absolutely right. Those he is most for people who so are. So the political lesson today yes. for the audience watching and listening is back waxing. Back waxing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, put yeah, your yeah. clothes on yeah, as, just, a yeah. as a president. And who comes up with these ideas in the campaign room? That's why they got consulted. I guess. Yeah, that probably cost him fifty grand. All right. By the way, it was about this time last week here on the show when we were discussing Donald Trump's potential vice presidential picks. Trump, you remember last week, floated the idea of a handful or so uh, different possibilities during an interview, and we were talking about it here on the show, and Chris said, you know what? Maybe another name should be added onto the list. Watch. 
Senator Katie Boyd Britt from hmm. Alabama to be oh. Trump's running mate. That's uh, that, I, I think that's the the I think it would be the right choice for Trump. Katie Britt of Alabama and Mick went on there to say, huh, I hadn't really considered that, but maybe you have a point. So why do we bring that up? Check this out. Earlier this week, Republicans announced that Katie Britt <laughs> would be the Republican response to President Biden's State of the Union address. Chris? Somebody must have heard me and decided to take her out of the running by giving her the single worst job in American politics. The response to the State of the Union is just a garbage job. Marco Rubio might be president today yeah. if he had not, little Marco had not reached for the water. Uh, it, I think of Sarah Sanders, who has been before every camera and microphone yeah, in every situation. Or, or Bobby Jindal. For her. Long ago, Bobby Jindal looking like the guide at the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland. <laughs> Nikki Haley. Nikki, it's just, it's just impossible because the State of the Union is the best stage in politics. It's all lit up cheering, it's big, and then inherently, no matter what, they're going to cut to you, and it's going to look small. Is, this, it's a, really is this a VP audition? It is. That's what Katie Britt's thinking, but I agree with Chris here. The problem is, is that the State of the Union response is littered with dead political carcasses. This is the worst thing possible for her. If she's able to hit it out of the park, then she'll be on Trump's radar. And I do think that Chris is right. Eventually, she probably will be on Trump's radar. How do you turn it down, though, if you're... Oh, exactly. How do you turn it down? Right. I mean, I hear what you all are saying, but what's the flip side of this strategically? How does she turn it down? And this this is the Republican Senate saying, hey, Donald Trump, what about... Hey, how about... what if you picked a normal per what if you did not choose <laughs> well, the word? You think that's what this is about? <laughs> you think this is this is yeah, the, who makes the, this decision? Look, she's the term "rising star" is abused very often, but this is the Senate le- Republican leadership okay. that that came up with this because obviously the House can't agree on anything. <laughs> uh, and if you're Mitch McConnell, if you're one of the Johns, if you're those folks, Katie Boyd Britt is the kind of person you want to say, "Hey, we've got normal people who are competent and they're camera friendly, and we we can do this." So it's good for them. She's good brand for them. Uh, and maybe they want Donald Trump to be thinking about it. Woman, Alabama. That's so true, so true. And everything Chris just said, absolutely true. But for Katie Britt's personal brand, too, this is Mm. huge because it might be a small stage in politics, but I guarantee you there's a lot of people watching this who will see Katie Britt for the first time. Yeah, just don't screw it up. Yes. (laughs) All right. By the way, before we go, make sure you catch the Hill Sunday. Do it. This Sunday. Right here on News Nation. 10 o'clock Eastern, hosted by our guy, Chris Steyerwalt. This week he'll be speaking uh, with the retiring congressman, Ken Buck of Colorado. Oh, do we have some of that? We're at a time in American politics that um, I am not going to lie on behalf of my presidential candidate, on behalf of my party. And uh, I'm, I'm very sad that, that others in my party have taken the position that as long as we get the White House, it's, it doesn't really matter what we say. What you got coming up? It was that, you know, um, the conversation was really good. And one of the nice things about doing a Sunday show is we let it breathe a little bit and talk about some stuff that we wouldn't. Uh, we're going to have Ron John on. We're going to do that. And we're going to have an all-journalist panel. Ah. And it's only going to be ink-stained wretches, people who are not. It'll just be us weirdos. I, won't, I promise <laughs> I won't wear a bow tie. I'll dress like a real honest-to-goodness TV No bow tie for you? Not this week. We're going to start it out. We're going to be very serious. We're going to be yeah. very serious. And you're not going to have any lawyers on the panel. Well, That's I mean. I may need one by the time the show's done. <laughs> right. so, I'm going to keep, keep your card you got with myself. Me. Just <laughs> promise me that you go seersucker, you know. 
in the late spring, summer. But I am not going to show anyone my body hair. Like that. Without shaving first. I will definitely just stay clothed. I swear to you, America, I will remain clothed throughout. When you think about putting a show together, how do you think about it? What are we going to get on the show? Generally speaking, I know you got Ken Buck and Ron Johnson. I like doing this show, and I like the way that you do this show on on the daily basis because here's the deal, and this is this is part of what News Nation and Next are are about. It's an aspiration to fairness, and it's an aspiration to public service. The idea of Sunday morning shows is that these are public interest, public service shows that are supposed to equip Americans to be better citizens. And I believe there is a huge audience out there that is woefully underserved by a news media that invites people into partisan bickering and flame wars instead of inviting them into common space where they can have a conversation that might teach us something and make us better citizens. Yep. One's Manchester coming on. Oh, well, can, oh, I don't no. know if we can make her, I don't know if we can make her deal. I mean, the numbers are huge with Julia now. <laughs> plus, plus, she makes you take all the M&Ms out of the bowl. You have to go through and you have to sort exactly. all of the brown M&Ms out or she won't come on. That's I the know, deal. I know. It's in my contract. <laughs> Reminder, uh, Chris Steyerwalt, The Hill, Sunday, 10 o'clock Eastern, here on News Nation. Super pumped. Thank you, it. Doctor. All right, coming up here on The Hill are President Biden's aides trying to protect the president from protesters. A new report out suggests that just might be the case. Leland Vitter joins us, host of On Balance, other side of the break. Stay with us. You're watching The Hill on News Nation. Chris on Sunday, don't you forget. Yay! So pro-Palestinian protesters, as you might know, they've been following President Biden all over the country. Some of the video here continuing to try to push the president to uh, help with negotiations for a ceasefire in the Israel Hamas war. Well, now NBC News is reporting that the president's aides are making an extraordinary push to shield the president from those protests. Host of On Balance, Leland Vitter joins me now. We've seen this all over the country. And as he gets out on the road... It sounds like the aides are trying to keep them away from that stuff. Yeah, smaller crowds, especially after State of the Union, when normally yeah. the president goes out on the big road. Look, this is treating the symptom, not the disease. And the problem for President Biden is on Gaza, on the border, on climate, uh, and on student loans, where he from needs the left, to be. You mean. Yeah, where right. he needs to be to win the general election, to win suburban swing voters, is completely at odds with where the progressive base is. Right. And those are the protesters who are coming out. Uh, some news from the president, by the way, just moments ago, he was asked, he's, he's been talking about this idea, maybe there's going to be a ceasefire. He was just asked moments ago, will, will there be a Gaza ceasefire deal by Ramadan? Here was the president. I hope so. We're still working real hard at it. Not there yet. What is, what is the biggest holdup right now? I'm not going to say that because I would get involved in the negotiations. I'm not going to say because that is involved in the negotiations, but he's been openly talking about this. So why has he been floating this Leland over the last week? He is trying to show his base, the progressive base, uh, we call them sometimes the pro-Hamas caucus, uh, (laughs) that that he's doing something, right? That he is, he's going to airdrop aid over Gaza. It's a photo op. It's a couple of pallets of aid. It does really nothing to actually help in Gaza, but it's showing he's doing Something I thought was interesting, he could have said right then, the holdup is Hamas won't give the hostages back, give the hostages back, and then I have some leverage over Israel. Uh, Hamas could lay down its weapons and surrender. He didn't say that. Um, What he's not saying was telling them. What you got coming up on the show tonight? Uh, Interestingly enough, have you heard about the problem of white rule rage? 
White Rose? No. Rage, yes. Uh, It is not a new band. Okay. It is a new book uh, which says that white rule Americans are mm-hmm. the real threat to democracy. Hmm. The authors uh, are on to discuss. Discuss, and you'll push them on it, I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, think, I think we are rightfully skeptical. Yes, yes, indeed. All right, Lila.